she's highly intelligent. So uh, I like to say she get that from me. I'll claim that. <laughs> from she, she has my intelligence. <laughs> she has my intelligence and she has her mother's temperament. Sometimes I know exactly what you're going to say. Every single month, your bank account is overdrawn. The world is a business. A husband is what's left of a sweetheart after the nerve has been killed. Walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. Obey all If you have selfish, ignorant citizens, you're going to get selfish, ignorant leaders. You mean like Democrats? Well, we both agree that must be the reason. Why not let the folks themselves ask for something that they like to hear? We are knee-deep in a pool of stagnation. No, 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 wait a minute, friends. You don't want to hear that, do you? Yeah! yeah. Hey guys, welcome to Objectively Incorrect. I'm here in studio by myself, but I'm talking to Terrence Martin, Dr. Terrence Martin Jr. Um, Terrence, what's up, buddy? I'm good, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm going to call him Terrence because, you know, I know him as Terrence. That's oh, fine. That's only, completely fine. I actually only realized you were a doctor when I read like, the little bio that you shared. I was like, dude, you're <laughs> a doctor. Jesus Christ, man, he's a doctor, man. He's, all right, so Terence is a, a university professor of financial planning, and he's a lot more than that. Like, I find that I'm in, I'm talking to people who have like a lot of hats now. Yeah, like you a, have to. Warren Buffett said you have to have seven streams of income. Seven streams. <laughs> Bye. I think I only got three. Well, um, you see, you have more than most. <laughs> you have more than most. I think I only have three. I need to. I need to develop four more. All right, well, today, guys, we're going to be talking about the financial market. We're going to be talking about the economy and the Caribbean community, how it relates to the Caribbean community. And by oh by, this is going to be a whopper. This is going to <laughs> yeah, be a whopper. Definitely looking forward to the conversation, man. I, uh, and this is my first interview with a media host from Sink. It's in 15 years. 15? So that's, 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 this is a big deal, man. Mother-loving like years. I left home 14 years ago in 2005. I've never interviewed or been interviewed by anybody back home. I've been interviewed in Antigua, St. Lucia, uh, Anguilla, o regionally at the OECS level and uh, in Europe, in the US, etc. But I haven't been interviewed in St. Kitts in 15 years. So thank you very much for having me. Man, so we turned way back on you for so long, man. What were you doing? <laughs> what you do? Well, so your, well, teeth, your teeth a pumpkin from out of Miss Mary Yard? You got to be a step on somebody big to really <laughs> <laughs> And that's the thing. So guys, I've asked Terrence, even Terrence, I've asked Terrence to come on. Um, but um, I've also asked him to not put on a filter. So it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. All right. So before we even start off, we have to do a fact of fiction section. And Terrence... I honestly could not find anything on the financial in the financial zone that I think would be even marginally, marginally yeah. cut, like challenging to you. So yeah. I just had to go straight Discovery Channel. So this one is gonna be <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a fact of fiction, and it's gonna be completely based on animals because yeah, I just I feel like all of these everything I found was just way too easy. Okay, yeah, it's like no. No, he probably did his dissertation on this. No, let's just move on. <laughs> right, so, so what we're going to do, I have five statements, and I'm going to say each of them one at a time, and you're just going to tell me if you think they're true or false. All right. So cool? Ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Number one. The heart of a shrimp is located in its head. The heart of a shrimp is located in its head. True or false? That's true. 
It's absolutely true. God, you already start off, man. Like, I feel like maybe I should <laughs> well, go... I mean, if you actually get a prawn, right, to uh-huh. get to the shrimp itself, you have to take off the head, which is really the body. So that makes sense. Makes sense, 100%. All right, so let's, let's just say we started off easy, so maybe this might be challenging. Okay, we So number two. After the peregrine falcon, the cheetah is the fastest animal. After the peregrine falcon, the cheetah is the next fastest animal. True or false? I want to ask false. Wow. And it's, it's actually false. Um, it's actually the frigate bird and then the yeah. sailfish <laughs> and yeah. then the cheetah. Yeah. Yo, listen, the peregrine falcon... Wait, the frigate bird is yeah. that fast? Yeah, the frigate bird, it, when it dives, it dives at 95 miles an hour. Dude, isn't frigate bird named after the frigate bird? Yo, listen. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It freaking yeah. is. That's crazy. I haven't yeah. seen a frigate bird in a, while, a really long time, though. That's Yeah, I need to have I. <laughs> I think we kill them off. That's all. Oh, that's a problem. I think we kill them off. I, I don't know if I've seen a frigate bird. When I was younger, I think I've, I, see, I saw a few. I think mangroves, so. Mangroves, man. We need to protect the mangroves. Man, we're killing them. We're we, 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 we taking sand, we're putting it over the mangroves and putting yeah. um, hotels on it. All right. Anyway, that's a that's a shot because that actually happened. All right. So number well, three, is it shots actually happened? Fired. Shots fired. All right. Um, number three, the only mammal to undergo menopause, the only animals, the only mammals. Let me repeat. Um, the only mammals to undergo menopause are human females and elephants. The only mammals to undergo menopause are human females and, and elephants. That's false. It's actually false. Yes, it is. Yeah. What? What? And are I you? know it's false because my, I see my dog having her period once, and that freaked me the hell out. <laughs> Dude. Dude. <laughs> that freaked me the hell out. My dog. Okay, so I love Young and Restless, right? And my dog name was Nikki, uh-huh. and I see Nikki was just bleeding from you know where, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What the hell is this?" And when I got older, it hit me like, "Oh, that's what it was." Yeah. So yeah. Actually, dogs don't go through menopause. Men, dogs don't menstruate? No, no, menopause. Oh. Yeah, dogs okay. menstruate. They, they, that, I think they okay, call so it I, heat. I, I, I heard the question of menstruate, but I still get it right. So. Yeah, you still get it right. The, <laughs> there's, only, there's only three mammals that go through menopause. The elephant is not one of them. It's the oh, human okay. female. Yeah. Um, the short fin pilot whale. And okay. the killer whale. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to pray for men when they're women going into menopause. Yeah, it's a different level. It's a yeah, different level. It's a different yeah, level. I just, I just almost like, when I get in certain arguments with my girlfriend, I just say, um, it, it got to be that happening. <laughs> Yo, we're in the mutual <laughs> movement, bro. You can't say them things. Bye. I'm sorry. I said it. I said it. I, this is just my own personal my own personal viewpoint. It's something you that exact, be, I won't say you're wrong. I it does feel so. <laughs> because you know what? It does feel irrational. That, oh, that's yes. what I happen. Sometimes it's, oh. it's, like, it's a little irrational. Oh, trust me. It's so irrational. confusing. It's so confusing. confusing. All right, number four. A tarantula spider can survive for more than two years without food. True or false? A, a tarantula... True. Dude, you don't watch... You don't watch... Did you discuss Richard Room? Of course. Animal planet is a shit. <laughs> and it's absolutely true. A tarantula spider can survive for more than two years without food, but it cannot survive long without water. Exactly. Yeah, you need exactly. moisture. Dude, you're batting like four on four right now. So number five. Let's go. Let's go. Overall, alligators can live between 30 and 75 years. True or I false? I think that's true. Dude, like lately, right? I, just, I think I've lost my edge. Let, let me tell you. And that's true. It's true. 
no, that's an average, yeah, but nowadays, especially in Louisiana and stuff, mm. uh, they don't live that long because they taste delicious. Like, if you ever get to New Orleans or um, the, the, what do you call that? The, the Florida where they have the wetlands or whatever it's called. Are the glades? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. The Everglades. They, amazing, amazing. The Everglades, amazing, amazing alligator bites. So they don't, they're definitely not living 30 years now. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you know, it's funny because the the one speculation about this fact is that if they are unbothered by human beings exactly. who are the only predators exactly. of alligators. Exactly. Like crocodiles in, in, in Africa have um, lions. Um, yeah. I think in certain parts of India, I think there are crocodiles in India. And the tiger is also, mm-hmm. the tiger also hunts, hunts, hunts crocodiles, small ones, but they hunt mm-hmm. them still. But in America, the, the alligator has no other, yep. the, the apex there's predators. A whole, there's a whole show about people hunting alligators. Yo, why, why we like this, man? Like, why everything have to be eaten? Like, why we gotta eat everything? <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, I think it's a power complex, man. Like, if, if you look at everything that's going on, we have a president up here that thinks climate change isn't real and changing the environment. But it's so absolutely real, man. Yeah, it's a good, the other day, they had a memorial for an iceberg that melted up in the northern Arctic Circle. You know, it, things things are changing, you know? Like, I'm in Utah, and it's 100 degrees. Eh? It, it was 107 degrees in Paris. I remember living in Wichita Falls, Texas, and we had one month of over 100. Aye. Right? Hot. Hot, 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 hot. And the thing yeah. is, it's, it's hot and it's humid. Like sometimes yeah. it, it, you, you go there and it, it, the, the best way I've heard it described is it's like you're in an oven. Yes. No matter how far you move left or far you move right, there's no, there's no, there's no relief. Yeah. There's no yeah. wind to help you. It's just you're in and an oven. And then you go home and you put on your fan and then you just circulate hot. Hot air. There's no relief. Yeah. So you need AC. <laughs> Man, Terrence, look, watch. Um, congratulations. You got five on five. You're only the second person. And it's funny because the last person that I, I, I had this show with, um, she also got five on five. Who, who was that? Who um, she was Azilla Clark. Hey, I know Azilla. See, Azilla, Azilla is one of those people I've looked up to from a very young age. So that doesn't surprise me one bit. She She's is brilliant. She's brilliant. brilliant. God. Yes. And I think her episode is already... But it's, she's brilliant. Like, I literally yeah. asked her questions about children. It was a, a child like, development. Uh-huh. And one by one, Azilla just not... And she, she reasoning them out. You know, it's not like she's just like, yeah, true false. It's not a yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hmm. But, but the thing is, but the answer's like, what the heck? It's like this woman studied for this test yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy because, like, I, 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 one of the things I started to do just yesterday was start to acknowledge local women back home that really impressed me and I admire through like the whole woman crush Wednesday mm. but not sexually uh-huh. they're not saying that they don't look good but that's not the impetus of the acknowledgement mm-hmm. and she's definitely somebody that's gonna get a plug in the future yeah man she, she's amazing but I had this conversation I was telling somebody I'm gonna have an interview with you mm. and our conclusion was imagine if you weren't in Singet Imagine where your career would be with somebody of your creativity, somebody of your ambition and drive, and the investments you've made in your business. If you're in the U.S., dude, or even some other Caribbean islands that are a little bit more advanced um, and, and accepting of what you do, you you could write your own ticket. 
you know, it's not all that glitters is gold. It took me a while to get where I am. It took my, my ex a while. It took a lot of my friends a while. But there's a limitless amount of opportunity. What, what America and Europe and some other Caribbean islands allow you to do is to pivot, mm-hmm. right? Back home, it's very hard to pivot. You're almost pigeon-held in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you try to do something new, people watch you with the cross eye, like, who is you to try to do more of that, stay in your lane, that kind mm-hmm. of mentality, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas out here, nobody's telling you that. Some of the things I've been able to do here in the U.S. and even regionally in Antigua, St. Lucia, and some other countries, I, I haven't done insane kids because people start to watch you funny. Before I went to school, I mm-hmm. used to do promotions. So I'm so proud to see fans doing this thing. Of course. I used to do promotions mm-hmm. in Anguilla and stuff. And I chose Anguilla because if, when you try to do it in sync, it's the first thing people telling you is, give me a free ticket now. Mm. Can I get a reduced price? I mean... The familiarity. To, to, to build, right? Mm. Yeah. So the, it, it's opportunity, honestly. It's, it's, it's opportunity, I think. Uh, I think uh, you and True Cap One, I just think, if, just imagine if the market was different. What, what could happen? Not just y'all. People, a lot of younger entrepreneurs as well, um, that I've ever been observing home, sky would be the limit. By the thing is, I listening to you because again, you you are the financial expert. You are a doctor. <laughs> so like, if you if you prescribing, I'm I'm listening a hundred percent. Like, um, I think I don't know if the skill set down here is that you kind of tend to have to shine enough that you could be seen. You mm-hmm. know, it's weird. Like you shine enough for you to be seen. But then if you try to be a little too ambitious, you could easily like have your, your wings burnt yes. uh, in your hubris. You might go a little too far. <laughs> people, yeah. people, but, don't, but see, people are threatened. They don't like, yeah. it's such a small community that like everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So it's like we are your class, like as a person or as an entrepreneur, as a creative, we are your class is, is supposed to be static. For, yes, for the man. most part, if you try to move too far up the, the ladder or if you try to, you know, climb too fast, like there are people that would actively try to stop you. Gatekeepers. We have gatekeepers. Yes. And yes, then you, yeah. you start to wonder who died and made you a gatekeeper, right? Like who, who tell you you could be lord over the realm? You know, um, it's, it's frustrating, man. But we see that in black culture. That's not even uh, focused just on the Caribbean it's 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 on it's black culture. We we tend not to facilitate growth, right? And we tend to fight it amongst our peers and 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 even your friends. Mm. Some of your biggest deterrents is your friends, your friends right? of course. So that's something yeah, you learn early on. And it, it, you know, it's it's interesting that you say it's, it's black. It's black people because I think what happens is, and and this might be more egotistical than anything else, is that you find you find us we in a situation where. We don't feel like all of us could thrive. You, mm-hmm. you, check, you check what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. if, if there are, I'm going to use, let's say there are five doctors in St. Kitts. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one is a pediatrician, the others are just, you know, general practitioners or whatnot. Um, if there's another doctor that comes in, instead of seeing it as, Okay, we could benefit from the experience. We could make a collegiate of doctors. We could create something together and elevate. They see it as you're coming in to cut piece of my pie. Yep. Yes, and that's not that's not how I don't know. You. This is probably one thing I could ask you too. Like, 
how does the economy work like that? Is the economy growing or is it a pie? Is it a pie like that we have to share? Or is it is it that we are producing something that grows, are supposed to grow on a yearly basis? See, it really goes back to our economic system that we adhere to. We either believe in the capitalistic structure of the United States and the somewhat capital and somewhat socially involved structure of Europe, or uh, you believe in 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 um, not not communism per se as Cuba or Venezuela, but socialism mm. as in China. And even Cuba, to an extent, I think they've made the shift away from communism to now more of a socialist regime. Um, in Cuba and China, like, I, I just spent seven weeks in China. Well, mm-hmm. seven weeks in Asia, most in China. I was there last November. Um, I have friends that are Chinese. And Congratulations, they, they, you survived. <laughs> but you see, the fact that you made that comment just proves my point. It's not what we expect. Mm-hmm. It's not what the media tells us it is. But when you go there, you see people that are joyful and happy, but yet they live within rigid confines of what they can and cannot do mm-hmm. and what type of business they could run and what type of business they cannot run. And so when I think of the pie, I think of more of a socialistic structure. Mm. And then we have to then come back and evaluate, okay, well, what really type of government do we have? Do we have a government that's pro-capitalism or do we have a government that is more socialism? And, you know, this might be politically incorrect or a little bit controversial. I've always viewed labor as more socialistic. Mm. I've viewed labor as they're going to give you enough, but not to make you independent, but to make you dependent. And then we have a PAM government from 80 to 95, which was trying to be more capitalistic. They believed in business. And and so therefore they got the whole sense that it was a party of the elites because usually the business people at that point were more elite because Caribbean people don't take risks. Sinkist people don't don't take risks. The ones that took the risk, that was the ones that had the financial cushion to take that risk. Mm -hmm. Usually. But then is that a risk? (laughs) <laughs> but, but you see, it, it's it's any. That's not a risk. Like if you have the financial cushion, like there's no risk. You have a. Like, well, there, there is still a risk of loss, but the the the, the risk tolerance, your ability to sustain that risk, or your capability is a mm. lot higher than somebody else, right? Mm. So my my whole point is is that we right now have a combination of both of these mm-hmm. these different economic philosophies. And the team unity government, for example. And I think you're going to find a struggle between competing economic systems, mm. right? You have some programs that are trying to encourage entrepreneurship that are not going nearly as far enough as some of our brothers in the region like Antigua. Um, but, but then you still see the social programs that are aimed at elevating you out of poverty, like the $500 a month situation. Mm. But yet, is that enough? Is throwing money at the problem the solution? Because then that $500, are they really spending it on consumption? Mm-hmm. Are they spending it on debt? Maybe the solution was more of a debt forgiveness strategy with financial institutions rather than a consumption that's going to just drive more tax revenue for the government. Oh, so yeah. we really need to figure out what type of economic system we have and what type of economic system we want to have. At the end of the day, man, I think this it, it shouldn't be a pie. And we shouldn't be afraid of competition because competition is what drives innovation. And one of the problems, I think, and I've seen it a lot more now, especially in your field, right? Mm. It started with True Capital with the little handheld camera you're in the space, and I see a couple other young boys at Cranston by, I think there's something called Frog. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> hungry Frog. There's something yeah, hungry called Frog. frog. Right, yeah, that's right. Cliff Richards. That's but, my boy, actually. 
Yeah, yeah, but you see what I'm saying? No, but you guys are pushing each other to be better, right? Whether you see it that way or not. Same thing now in the whole cosmetology space, right? Not everybody used to do makeup. No, everybody used to do makeup. makeup yeah. And what's going to separate them is quality. That's what's going to separate them. Mm -hmm. Quality. People are going to move past price sensitivity and move to quality. And I think... Um, Could we, we say value? Hurt. Say that again? Could we say value? We could say value. It's because it's a value proposition. Of course. Your product like, is, creates the value proposition, mm -hmm. right? Because it's always, I, I think, I don't know if, again, you're the, you're the economics, but I'm, I'm asking. The reason I, I propose value is because I think value might be the combination of quality and price, as in what you are giving is seen to be worth what the price, what the, the, the price, the price um, is for it. For example, well, I mean, if I say I'm going to charge you $80 uh, to do your makeup, I know you <laughs> I'd use a different example. When I charge you $80 to do your makeup and you're going, uh, you're like, I really hate this. This is awful. Uh, you didn't offer me good value, even though your price was really good. Like, you didn't offer me good value versus this person who's going to charge me $200, but the quality of it is so good that it's worth, it's worth every cent I pay. In fact, you know, I will pay more. It's, it's the mindset. So mm. we have two competing things here. This is an agency problem, right? Mm. You have a consumer that wants a good product at a cheap price, and you have a producer that wants to do a good, do good work but mm -hmm. make money for it, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we struggle with pricing. And I, even in the business that I have, I struggle with, okay, what's the most effective price mm -hmm. that we don't want it on our quality? Because we tend to associate price and quality. Yeah, really. People tend to associate expensive with, with the best, They're and good, that's yeah. not usually the case. Mm -hmm. You know, you could have the most expensive um, item, but yet it's, it's crappier than the $10 item on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yes, I agree with you. It's value. But then what we need here is for the consumer to recognize, uh, no, not even, this is not even on the consumer side. It's on the producer side. Because mm. producers set prices. Yes. And, and if producers align with pricing and they charge for quality, then the consumers have to adjust, right? Mm -hmm. You might have a fall off in demand, but even with less volume, higher prices would lead to greater output. Indeed. So... <laughs> Um, I, I think with, with that, you have the producer need to start to get the mindset of being paid for what they know mm -hmm. and not what they do. Mm. If we start to get paid for what we know, if we start to get paid for our human capital, if we start to get paid for the final result of our experience, education, and our skills training over our lifetime, and we price ourselves that way, then we start underpricing and then we start to elevate value on a whole in our society. Now, does that mean higher prices? In some cases, yes. But does it mean quality output and more satisfaction? Yes. And what that means then is that you're going to have more people trying to enter the market who want to be good, who mm -hmm. want to give their best, and then you're going to have people leaving the market who are just there to make a quick buck. Mm. So. So just, you know, it's by eighty man. I don't start. This done. This is already begun. Um, the other day, I looked at a video. It was a cosmetology video, but the lady was talking specifically about pricing. It was more like a vlog, mm -hmm. and she made an a, a point that just kind of resonated with me. She says, "You have to balance off what you want to do with your life because if you're gonna charge a very very low fee, all right, you're gonna have to work a lot." Mm -hmm. In order to make ends meet at the end of the month, if your if your bills are three thousand dollars and you're only working for ten dollars an hour, you're gonna have to. I'm not gonna do the math. But I'm just gonna say that's three hundred hours. You're gonna have to yes. put three hundred hours in 
to yeah. meet, you know, to meet your your um your expenses at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. But she says, like, you have to find the balance by which you are not working so much that you start to hate it because it's not just about paying bills. Like, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you could be doing something, you, you, you're hustling every month, the same hustle every month, and you end up hating what you're doing. You end up, it becomes taxing. Like, you literally can't miss a day. Yeah. Otherwise, you, 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 you fall short of your obligations and then before you know it, you're in debt and all of that, even worse than before, you, without any, any hope. So she's saying, like, you have to price yourself at a certain level where you could work enough, right, that you, mm-hmm. make, your end, you make ends and you yeah. make your profit. That way you don't work, you don't overly work. And I don't think, I'm, I'm not sure if in our society or small society really think about that. It's like, oh, well, he just charged $300, let me just charge um, $150. I'm going to get more clients yeah. than him. But then yeah. at the end of the day, you're also working twice as much. Yes. So yes. And, and, and that, that's true. You, you sell yourself short and you water down your brand. You know, we, when you start a business, one of the first things, I think this doesn't happen a lot. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's the fact that the persons that are supposed to be offering technical expertise don't. I don't know if the fact that there's not really a market for business consultants because honestly, nobody wants to pay for a business consultant. When you're charging um, $150 for a job. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you see, that's the thing. That's it, the it, thing, it, yeah. They, they, you want to charge a high price, but you don't even want to make sure that the business is sustainable because one of the most risky things you could do mm. is own a business. Yes. One of the riskiest things you could do is own a business. And um, the problem that you see is that most people just open businesses because somebody give them a compliment on their food or somebody tell them they could do makeup or somebody tell them they could do nails. They don't run the numbers. You don't run the net present value of future cash flow. So how much it's going to cost me to start up, how much profit I could make. Mm-hmm. Is it positive? Well, yes, let me start the business. If it's negative, well, okay, we can't really do this. Let's look at something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I consult for free to a lot of small businesses, so I don't know who's going to listen to the podcast, but if they need any free consultation, just hit me up on social media or reach out in some other way. And it, it comes back down to knowing your contribution margin. Mm-hmm. If you go sign, if you go sign a, a, a unit, right, that has rent of two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You said, well, let's go back to three thousand. You said three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Let's let's assume this is all in utilities, rental space. So that's mm-hmm. your fixed cost. Mm-hmm. Then then you know you price now on your denominator. You have price minus variable cost. Variable cost could be here labor. Maybe you don't want to take on permanent staff, so you want to you know. And fuel cost could be variable as well. Mm-hmm. Whatever you get your per unit variable cost to be, separate subtract that from your price divide that into your fixed cost. This is the amount of work you have to do to break even. Yep. This is the amount of work you have to do to break even. If you have a profit in mind, add the profit to that. This is the amount of work you have to make to make 20,000 in profit, 30,000 in profit, 50,000 in profit. And if we start with some simple valuations, I think it would help. Because one of the things that always blew my mind, Mm -hmm. walking down Fort Street and walking into closed stores before uh, you know, is that everybody sells the same thing and they sell it for the same price. Yep. And they get it in the same store. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So right then and there, it's actually a good example of perfect competition because it's completely homogeneous. Mm-hmm. And really at that point where you're buying is from your friend and yeah. your friend not. Right? Mm-hmm. Personality and popularity has that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we could do something simple. You know, price in theory would tell you that 
if you were to do instead of twenty dollars, you do ninety nine nineteen ninety six. Mm-hmm. Somebody gonna watch that four cents that they save and then say, well, hey, well, this person went the extra mile to figure out how much this really, really costs. Yeah, exactly. It sounds more um, genuine, authentic. Yeah, so it, it, you tend to type, um, attract more demand that way. So it's interesting. Man, listen, you're talking pure Bible. The thing is, right, <laughs> you're talking pure Bible, it's true. It's 100%. You, you're talking pure Bible. The thing is, we don't calculate anything before we start businesses. Like yeah. you, you don't like a simple. You, you just offered a simple, simple calculation. What are the ex, what is the expenditure for this business? How much will it cost for me to do this business? Just, just the general. That's even the like the first question of, and then how much money could we make from this? Like how yes. much would we have to charge in order to just to just beat that? And yes. then how much money would we have to charge to, if they're, they're available? How much money do we have to charge for that? Yeah. Then how much money do we have to charge to make a profit? Okay, all yeah. of this, this is no, this cost no. Divide it by mm-hmm. how much ever days you want to work and how much ever hours you want to put in. This is how much we need to charge per hour. It's like, yeah. it's like yeah. for every cost, uh, if you're going to do it by clients or projects or whatever, this is how much projects I would need to do in a month. This is how much people's faces I would need to do in order to make ends meet. This is how much faces I need to do to make me yearly goal a target. Like we literally, yeah. a lot of us, and, and I'll tell you from being in circles, right? A lot of us are functioning, and I said us because sometimes, I mean, if you don't have food on your table, you're going to make money. So, yeah. so and, and that's not the right way to do it, but I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes it gets a little desperate and you just, you need to put food on your table. But yeah, you do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to do something. Um, but like, most of us are functioning on a month, some, not even something a month to month capacity. Some of us functioning on a day-to-day capacity. Like, literally, I want to just, meet this bill at the end of the day tomorrow i have so, this bill to pay i have this to pay and then you end up shortcutting yourself in the long run because you you do a job in our especially in our field if i do a video for you a, a commercial you, you're probably not coming back for the next six months to two years yeah you, yeah. you, you, you check you check what i'm saying so whatever i charge you and and there's there's only so much companies that exist in sync it's a nervous that exactly are, that are even going to want to market actively Yes. So the, 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 the pool is already shallow and you're going to go and you're going to say, well, you know, I just need a thousand dollars to pay this bill. So you charge a thousand dollars and you're never going to see any money from this business again for six months to two years. Mm-hmm. You check what I'm saying? And then it, it's like, um, well, this business isn't working. No, you're just making bad decisions. Yeah. Like you have to do. De- and even down here, like diversification is a real thing. Like to do one thing is is risky as hell. Let me, let me tell you. Let, let me let me let me propose a, a different ideology for mm. you. Let's look at businesses. Some people think because they they make revenue by selling something, a product or service, that they're a business, and that is not true. There's a fundamental difference between a business and somebody that made a hobby into a sole proprietorship. Mm-hmm. They're very different. A business has leverage. A business has debt. A business has capital expenditures that you can't just go in your pocket and take. You either borrow from a friend or family member, but there's some element of of borrowing. There's some element of credit. Whereas um, on the other side, you have somebody that's really good at doing something, cooking, baking, doing meals, etc., that just do it out out of their home and set up shop somewhere else that really has low cost. That's not technically a business. Mm. And actually, I don't, I don't think government should even license them because they're not businesses. Wow. Um, 
So that's one of the things we, we need to make that distinction between what a business is because a person that has debt uh-huh. tied to their revenue path is going to have a greater need for marketing, capital expenditure, attracting customers, creating quality service overall than somebody that, even though they have a revenue need, mm. right? It's, it's the startup cost is a lot, lot less. So the buy-in is a lot less. And, and that might sound a little controversial and people might not understand it, but it's, it's actually factual. There's a difference between being a business owner and being a sole proprietor, right? And that's why you usually encourage most business owners to incorporate. And you encourage most business owners to incorporate because you have debt tied to your situation and you run the risk of being sued for the service and product that you put out. Whereas on the sole proprietor side, yeah, if you're in food, et cetera, you should incorporate to protect yourself legally. Mm. It's less likely you will see incorporation on that side than on a side that has uh, a credit situation on the line. Because you, you finance your business two ways. Either in equity or debt, right? So either cash on hand, cash from family, mm-hmm. or lines of credit from a financial institution, bank, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'm gonna and another perspective is, and I don't blame small businesses or medium businesses that make mistakes. In fact, I think in saying is we only really have a few big businesses, maybe five to six. Yeah, the rest of them are medium to small. And mm-hmm. I don't blame owners for making mistakes. Why? Because they don't have the business knowledge. And I truly believe you need business knowledge to know you're making a mistake. You need finance knowledge to know you're making a financial mistake. Mm -hmm. You need health knowledge to know you're making a health mistake. You need media knowledge to know you're making a A media media mistake. mistake. Uh You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we have that distinction there. So what I always wanted to do is to come give back in society and offer my services in some way. Um, And I know I have colleagues and friends that would love to do the same thing. But, you know, people not willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Right, because there's a cost, right? If I have to come down there and set up a shop, of course, um, it, there's a financial cost, mm-hmm. and people don't want to pay, mm-hmm. even though their business will eventually be a lot more successful and streamlined. They don't view it in that way. Mm-mm. They just view it as an expense. Exactly, and they need to view it as an investment. So you're saying, so you're saying that a sole proprietorship, right, is not you don't class that as a business because it not, doesn't have it doesn't have credit or it's not yeah it doesn't have leverage it doesn't have leverage no you could have a business that's 100 percent financed by equity mm-hmm. meaning cash on hand we mm-hmm. call that equity put in by the owner but usually when you go and scale okay let's think about facebook for example uh-huh. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg liked a girl. He wasn't sure if he liked her. He wanted to impress her, create a, a platform to meet people, basically, because he was shy. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. He took a hobby. He scaled it. The first thing he did was take on investors after he got some sort of notoriety. And that investment not only came in equity, it came in debt. Facebook became a business. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with... Um, I want to use a local example. Um Okay, I don't really know a local example, but the the underlining thing here is leverage. Because when you have debt attached to your business, you have something to lose. When you have a a long-term lease, you have something to lose. This is one of the biggest problems that people have with street vendors, is because they view them as not having anything to lose, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas I go rent a, a place down there to have my restaurant, but yet you come and set up outside. Right, mm. people develop some sort of animosity towards that 
uh, because in their mind, they have something to lose. So it's just a different concept because uh, apart from incorporation, uh, there's an element of leverage. And, and by incorporation, I'm not talking about just getting a license to operate. I'm talking about limited liability. Mm. So if something goes wrong, they can't go after your personal assets. Okay, so you shielded. Yes. And with the corporation, is it is it also like... Um, uh, I mean, for the public doing business with you, there's some there's some um, level of, of accountability because um, if you have, for example, say that you, you buy food from a street vendor, and this is being very, 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 very low about it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You, buy, you buy food from a street vendor and f- for some reason you got sick. You, ch- you check what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Who, do you, who do you then go and complain? You try to find the street vendor that, that sold you the food. Yeah. yeah. But suppose the street vendor never comes back. That, and that's the thing. Yeah, it's, that's uh, the thing. Again, it's just yeah. the lowest common denominator trying to find because yeah, and and not only that, you could go back to to the clothes or the makeup with the with the I like to call them the pop up shops during um, carnival and music fest mm. and culture am right. Mm. They the people come from foreign, they come down with all this stuff. They open blah blah blah. You use the product weeks after you buy it, it's a dud. It mash up. It don't work. Mm-hmm. But where do you go? Where's your accountability? Who do you go back to? What's their return policy? How can you get justice? How can you get um, recuperate any sort of loss utility from from this product or service that you just paid for? You, you can't. So, yeah, most of the time, you can't. Exactly. Like there, there's a there's a trade show I think that comes from Colombia or something, and mm-hmm. they usually sell very cheap. It's, the products are like super duper cheap usually. Yes. Right, and I think they have to do that because you're buying from somebody with no assurance. Yes, yeah, they, they're yes. gonna be here for a few weeks. Most of the time, the products last at least more than a, a few yeah. weeks, and there's no return policy. There's no. There's nothing. There's not even well, that, a, sometimes there's not even a receipt. Yeah, and that goes back to to basic economic principles, right? Where you have this concept of price. Well, demand and supply mm. gives you a price, right? We mm. call it ataki, uh, uh, equitable price, mm. price at the origin. And what we have from the price at the origin, you have a consumer that goes into a, a retail store and knows they want to buy something. And that consumer already has a price in mind. So mm. when that consumer sees that item they want to buy, let's say they want to buy it for $100, this is their max price, and they see it at 50 their new consumer surplus is $50, whereas if that item was priced at 100 their consumer surplus is zero. zero yeah. So when we see a discount, when we see a discount, we view that discount as, as a double win. We win on getting the product that we want, and we win on get saving money because uh, that money could go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's a fundamentally called consumer surplus. Mm-hmm. And from the producer perspective, they're willing to take the loss because of volume and they know that their risk is actually lower because they're going to leave and they have no sort of legal responsibility to maintain this product. You know, sale, all sales are final. final. Uh-huh. Whenever, whenever you see that sign, that sign is telling you strongly, no bother me. When whatever <laughs> happened here, happened here. And it's no done. In life, no bother me. No returns. That. Exactly. But the thing is, is, is consumer, is, I mean, on a deeper level, on a psychological level, is consumer surplus um, real? Because, I mean, let me, let me explain what I'm saying. Um, if I um, say I have $200, right, mm-hmm. and I go into a store, and the store tells me that, I started going to a store to just pick up a candy bar. 
Mm-hmm. But while in there, I see some orange juice, and the the company, the company, the, the store says this orange juice is now fifty percent off. So it used to be eighteen dollars, and now it's nine dollars. All right. Mm-hmm. Now in my mind, I'm thinking if I buy this orange juice, I'm saving fifty percent off the orange juice. But I didn't really go in there for orange juice. I went in there for a candy bar. <laughs> so my two hundred dollars goes now for the candy bar and the eight dollars for this orange juice, which I really didn't need, but you know, this deal is too good to pass up. So I'm asking, in some situations, is 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 that a real principle or is it just <laughs> is this just capitalism one oh one? So you know, it, it, consumer service does exist, but it's on a more product or service perspective. What you describe here now is a neoclassical budget constraint, right? By even though you only wanted the, the candy bat at that specific moment in time, you might have wanted the juice at another point in time, right? So then you're able to capitalize on that. Um, and then in some cases, uh, people just, it, it's strategic marketing, right? <laughs> if, you think about, if you think about a supermarket, you want a, you want a bottle of milk. Ideally, everybody want milk. They should put milk at the front, mm-hmm. but the way they put the milk, they put at the, the milk back. at the back, yeah, yeah. so you could see everything else while you're in walking front. behind, yeah. right? You but get so distracted. There's, there's, yeah, there's a consumer surplus that still exists on an individual product. But what you're describing with the orange juice is utility, mm-hmm. right? When when I buy this orange juice at fifty percent, I may not have wanted orange juice, and the reasons why I may not have wanted orange juice might not have been fully understood. But the reasons. Maybe I, I didn't think I could afford it at that point, even though I have $200, I have earmarked that $200 for something else, mm-hmm. somewhat mental accounting, which is actually a behavioral bias. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when I see the orange juice at a lower price, and maybe it's Tropicana, man, I like that Tropicana I love one. It. And it's the one, it's the one with the pulp, right? So <laughs> if, if you feel a little natural, right? Yeah. And you see it for 50% off. The first thing you should ask is, well, why the hell is this 50% off? Because no reason, you know. So you check, you, you check your dates and stuff, but most people don't. They don't do that. They just pick up oranges. Yeah, so... Um, it's close to expiry. The satisfaction that you derive from buying that might actually outweigh the satisfaction from the candy bar. You see, our goal in life, Stephen, is very simple. Our goal in life is to be happy. And our goal in life and to attain this happiness is by maintaining constant marginal utility from consumption, which means not that you spend at the same level, but when you do consume even lower or higher, eventually over time it balances out. And when this balances out over time, uh, it, 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 it's, it's constant in terms of how happy and reassured and satisfied you feel from what you buy. So even though your intent wasn't to get orange juice on Monday, you might have gotten it on Wednesday. But when you got it on Monday, you spent a little bit more on Monday. So on Wednesday, you spent a little bit less and over time you'll balance out. That's a simplistic explanation of it. But that's so that's an expectation and not not that's not science. Is that because I mean at the, at the end of the day, who is doing the accounting to say that you haven't overspent on orange juice in your lifetime? Well, it, it should be the individual, right? The individual mm-hmm. should do their own mental accounting. But mental, just in we we tend to view money in, in buckets. Right. Mm. We have this money for rent, this money for groceries, this money for bills, this account for this, this account for that. And that gets us caught up in this quandary. Right. Mm. And, and it, it actually makes us a little bit anxious when it comes to consuming. 
Um, but so it, it is truly scientific. It's behavioral. It goes back to behavioral economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mental accounting is 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 one of, as a behavioral bias that stems out of behavioral economic theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's how should I say it? it, it but why I describe when it comes to maintaining uh, constant marginal utility from consumption, that's actually called a life cycle hypothesis. It was written back in the 1950s, but the essence of it is true. The goal of the household and the individual is to be happy. Mm-hmm. And how you attain that happiness is either going to be due to uh, for, forgiving, forsaking some consumption in some times, mm-hmm. and moving those resources to a future period, uh, bringing future money into the present in order to consume it today, right? So the simplistic example of orange juice, let's talk about a house. When you get a mortgage, what are you doing? You, you're taking on a 30-year loan. Well, how do you know you're going to be alive tomorrow after you get the loan? You don't. Right? <laughs> you're, saying to your future, you're saying to your future self, future self, 30 years from now, I don't know if you're going to be alive, dead or what, but I'm going to borrow $300,000 and I'm going to spend it today. That's what we're saying to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And then when we invest, we go the opposite way. We're saying, you know what? Man, if I go buy this other drink, if I go buy this other candy bar, this other bottle of juice, it ain't really doing nothing much for me. So let me save it for a time when I really need it. Mm-hmm. So my marginal utility from using that money in the future might be higher than using it today, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing in the reverse when it comes to borrowing. You bring that money forward. And and let me just say, we borrow money from ourselves. We don't borrow money from an institution. You borrow money from your future self. And when you borrow money from your future self and bring it to the present period, then, you know, it could be good and it could be bad. <laughs> I've never, I've never, I've never thought about it like that ever. To be honest, I've never seen it as borrowing money and it's i could see it is true it's it, like how you explain it is absolutely 100 percent correct you are borrowing from the future hope that you should be able to pay it back yep no my, my yep. question to you is, is is probably even a little bit more multifaceted is in that what are we usually borrowing from our future selves for because so, okay go ahead because because a lot of the times I feel like we're borrowing, you, you want to be comfortable. And it, it, you say, right, I mean, all of us, we're just trying to be happy. We're trying to find um, that onus of happiness. We're trying to find happiness. Mm-hmm. And happiness might have a certain uh, checklist of things. In order to be happy, I need a house. In order to be happy, I need a car. In order to be happy, I need to, dry, to, to wear these kind of manny suits. You know, in order to be happy, mm-hmm. I need to travel. You know, there's, all, there's this checklist of stuff. Um, some of them, I don't know, what do you, is it, it, some of them are not equitable things. Some of them are generally just experiences, again, to be happy, but they're not things that are going to bring any returns. They're not an investment. They're just expenditure. So, so when you, when you think of debt, um, you think of, some people said debt is bad. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I want nobody. Okay cool that's good and nothing wrong with that there's some people have made millions of dollars using that notion and people like dave ramsey and then Mm -hmm. some people say well debt is good once it's a productive use of debt Uh, so that means you borrow for a house because you need a house it's an asset you buy a car is a house an asset or liability a house is technically an asset it straddles the line it's financial liability but if built in the right location, it should appreciate in value, making it an asset. And then you re- it really does ask the question, is it really an asset? 
Yes. And it really becomes an asset if you're willing to sell it in the future. Yes, that's the, that's the thing. And I don't yeah. think a lot of people does really consider that. A, yeah, house, yeah. a house could be an amazing, an amazing liability. Well, well, you see, <laughs> the, 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 to, the, and the comment on the house, it mm. would be a lot of people, for a lot of black people, let me, let me go broadly here. Mm. The housing represents 70% of the wealth in the household. And in, in many cases more, in places like St. Kitts, uh, the Caribbean, a lot of urban black communities here in the U.S., housing represents almost 90% of our assets, our wow. net worth. And, you know, it's really, that's really tough because tough, you have yeah. a psychological decision that I've spent everything I have on this house, I want to leave it for my kids. Mm -hmm. And I think we're jumping ship here, but uh, it's okay. going into another interesting topic you want to leave it for your kids but who the hell tell you children want the house nobody tell you children want the house mm. yeah you want to leave it for them but who says they want it you know um in my 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 business and uh, practice we 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 have that situation as well where we have clients that have the intent to leave their houses for their children but the children already have their houses that means you for that for that that house now represents to this child property taxes maintenance mm. costs Etc. Now in sync, it might be a little different because you could go rent out the property and make ridiculous amounts of money, right? I have a question for you. I am going to so stick up in because I have to ask you a question. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So, but based on how the rental market is, but we have to always ask when we think about it. The willingness to sell it truly makes it an investable asset. It's still an asset. So let's 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 reframe this. A house is a personal use asset, but the willingness to sell it in the future makes it an investable asset. Does that make sense? It makes sense, yes. If you're willing okay. to sell it in the future, yes, you could read returns. I'll, I'll be illiquid. I'll be illiquid. Mm -hmm. It's it's an investable asset if you're willing to sell it in the future. The thing is, I mean, the, 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 even with the rental proposition, there, there are some, some caveats to renting your house because I mean maintenance you still have to still have to maintain your home in fact you might have to maintain it even more reg rigorously or regularly um, yeah and amongst other things it's basically maintenance yes but my question to you is will I mean is <sighs> the rental prices in sync is to me extraordinary <laughs> um, and I, I think most people could agree that Finding a rentals, a rented, finding a space, a living space to rent in Saint Kitts right now is, is like pulling um, a shark tooth while the shark is still alive. Yeah. Like it's very easy for you to lose your arms and your legs in a situation yeah. like that. And in fact, I yeah. feel like the renting, even the pricing, the pricing is not built to be uh, sustainable for most kitchens, most local kitchen people. I guess I'm guessing it's to attract the foreign, you know, the foreign clients and the foreign the, the students and those people. But the question I have for you is will this is this sustainable? Is the, the rental prices in St. Kitts as they are right now? It, it, I mean looking looking at it, you could probably give me the best determination. Will this housing um rental bubble will it burst will it is it sustainable is it something that we could expect is going to just continue to be climbing the ladder up well, and up well, well well let's look at it from that and this is actually I had this conversation just last night with a, a young woman um let me look let me use the example of dominica to explain this mm. what happened after maria 
what 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 university left? Ah, uh, Russ. Exactly. So, mm. what happened? You think they're in the rental market? <laughs> it was completely destroyed. <laughs> okay. So when, when we, educational tourism is a yeah. thing. In fact, 15, 16 years ago, when Dwayne Astafan was Minister of Tourism, we had a tourism congress and I, I encouraged it. And I was like, education tourism is the way to go. Mm. However, what has happened is our government has not stepped in and offered rental control. Mm. So when you have foreign entities, foreign people, look, you have Americans Europeans, Africans, Indians, people Russians, coming from oh, Chinese. okay, coming. They got different money. Mm-hmm. If a if a Chinese if a Chinese individual is in seeing kids and rich, they got money. Mm-hmm. Even in China, you understand? I'll get you. So because the, the exchange rate is like three to one. Mm-hmm. So one EC dollar is three Chinese dollars. So it takes three Chinese dollars to buy one EC dollar. Mm-hmm. You catch me? Mm-hmm. So they got to got money already coming to our shores. Mm-hmm. And when you go offer them rent of 800 US dollars, oh, that ain't nothing. That's what I pay at home. Well, what 800 US means to the locals multiplied by 2.7169, mm-hmm. that's, that's roughly $2,400, mm-hmm. right? $2,2100. Mm-hmm. Well, you just literally price out the market. When government starting salary is $4,400 before social security and levies, at $2,000, that's 50% of gross income already spent just on the house. When you're talking about utilities. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. We're going to we go pull back up. Government stand wage is what? Government starting salary the bachelor's around forty four. That's that's something that we verified. I mean, not for sure. It's it, it could be a little bit more now. I mean, it's it's fact checkable. If I'm wrong, I know it's not going to be far off. I can tell you, it's not six. <laughs> it's going to be around in the mid fours. Because I I think I I I mean this is a personal thing, but I know yeah. people who have bachelor's degrees who don't make half half of that. What? Working for, <laughs> wait, not working what? for government? No, not working for government. For oh. the, for, for private. Well, um, who don't make? Not not uh, half, not well, they don't make half. But that, that's an entirely different conversation. Of course. Because trust me, trust me, trust me. They would pay a white man more. Of but, course, you know, of course. Um, that's not even the conversation <laughs> we want to have because that conversation is never ending. But I'm just saying, like, I know from personal experience that there are people who have um, bachelor's degrees who make. They don't make anywhere close to four thousand four hundred dollars. That, that's 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 insane. That's insane, and no especially issues. most of them had to get loans to get that. But yes. anyway, so let's let's okay let's yeah. let's let's continue. The last, the last conversation was uh, yeah the government didn't really step in with price control. Mm-hmm. So so what what happened as Ross expands and Windsor came in and the nursing school came, one they paid the instructors high salaries and their staff above average salaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, so those staff, at least they do better within their own space. But then the majority of the country population stays the same in terms of their income. Yes. I'll yeah. give you a classic example of wage growth in St. Kitts and Nevis. I left a specific hotel. Um, and people that know me knew where I used to work. I ain't calling nobody name to get in a lawsuit. But <laughs> this is the reality. Uh-huh. When I left, I was making $10.22 an hour. And this wasn't, uh, no, actually, no. That was before I left because I left as in a different capacity. But when I was an accountant's clerk, mm-hmm. I, I made $10.22 an hour. Mm-hmm. So this is back in 2003. And I had to fight to get the 10.22. Eh? Mm-hmm. It started out at 8.87. I'll never forget. Jeez. But anyway, uh, so 10.22. Mm-hmm. And about two years ago, I was over vibes having a drink. And I met a young guy. And I had went back to visit my work, my former workplace. And I remember seeing him there 
a few days before. Uh-huh. I was talking, having a couple of drinks. He was a nice guy, jovial and everything. And I was telling him, man, you know, like just you going back experiences of what happened at this hotel. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, I, I tell him the story, how we went from 887 to 1022. And he was like, wait. Tell me. He was making 1034. This mm-hmm. is 14 years after we got an increase to 1022. 14 years after this young man educated with a family making $10.34 an hour. That's a 12 cents increase in, in 14, 14 years. years. Yes, less than a cent. What, 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 what has happened to the cost of living in 14 years? It has inflated. Exactly. <laughs> it's inflated so when, when, constantly. When, 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 when we're talking about social ills like crime and stuff, I have to always wonder, are we serious? Because here's a young man that I would understand if he could break into a house. Because he did it the right way. He went to school. He put in the work. But yet you have the government allowing corporations that could afford it, that pay foreign managers hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Paying locals, that locals haven't gotten an increase. Not even a, a, a cost of living adjustment, man. Nope. Not even a cost of living adjustment you could give a local. How do you expect people to, to think, to, 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 to want to strive and do more and invest in the local economy? How do you expect to create a middle class? It's through the creation of a middle class that a country could actually develop and evolve. You catch what I'm saying? You price people out to the market and he's at the high end of the market. 1022 multiplied by 1034 multiplied by 2080. 2080 is a regular work year, right? Mm-hmm. That's a little over $20,000. And he's at the high end of the market. You go to school, you get Cape subjects, you go teach, they pay $1,800 a month. I mean... Man, listen. You, you're preaching. <laughs> you're preaching 100%. And I'm laughing because this, this is, these are conversations that I have all the time. Like, all the time. It's the same thing over and over again. The cost of living is consistently on the rise. It doesn't stop. It doesn't slow down. It's just consistent. It's just consistent. The other day I had a conversation with my mom. I was talking to her about uh, putting money in a bank and, and how, like, you know, we used to get, like, prop, not even proper, we used to get okay interest rates back in the day when I started working. And when I said proper, just mean beating inflation even by a little bit, even by 1%. Beating inflation? You could tell me what inflation be? Inflation is what? Three, is 3% three a year? That's what they say. That's what they say. Yeah. I don't buy that one bit. I do not buy that one bit. I don't I, believe so either. Um, Coming, coming home and I'm seeing the price changes year over year, there's no way inflation is 3%. But that's the official word. Of that's the, the official word. So let me, let me leave that alone. Yeah, that's the... Yeah, yeah. Because... And, and, and don't, don't get me wrong. I agree with you. Eh? Because every week that you go to the supermarket, there's a price adjustment mm-hmm. on something. If it, if it ain't vein or sausage... And I don't even eat veal sausage. I remember one week I went... When I was working at ZSZ, this is in 2005, 2005 2006... And I used to love Venus sausage. And I remember one week, <laughs> love it, love it. Because you, I mean, it was, come on, you're not. I know, you're I not, understand, I understand. You're I making understand. minimum. It's just, just let's say what I call a spade a spade. Yeah. And <clears throat> when I went, I remember going to supermarket one and picking up some um, one week, picking up some Venus sausage. I think at the time, I think it was like two dollars, two dollars and ten cents. Next week I got back is like two dollars and twenty cents. 
And I'm like, what? 10, 10 cents already? Like, you're, you ain't even climb up there. You ain't even got like a cent a week, a cent a month. Like, just 10 cents. That's it. It's just, that's it. So it's it's definitely more than 3%. But the official the official word is 3%. What do the banks yeah, give yeah. you on your savings? Um, up here? No, like, down here. Down in St. Kitts. I think no the banks, idea. What, what, what they give you in I think like it's just 2%? a little under 2%. You see, but you're getting a lot of pays, 0.02. You're lucky. <laughs> Dude, and I'm telling you, and the thing is, back in the day, I could understand, I could understand the whole savings proposition. Let's just save and save and save and save. But right now, you're saving and you're saving at your own peril. Because, I mean, I do, I do understand putting money in a bank and, you know, having that cushion, you could fall back on it. and blah, blah, blah. But long-term saving is, is a losing well, game. It goes back. You see, because there's a fundamental difference between saving and investing. And of course. We, we, we encourage savings in the region, but saving doesn't grow wealth because there's a pesky thing called inflation. And inflation actually um, erodes purchasing power. So cash has a cost. And, and this is something they never taught us in school. I don't think I learned this in principles no. of business or principles nope. of accounting. I sure as hell didn't learn it in management of business at CFB because men learn nothing. But anyway... Um, inflation, cash has a cost. Mm -hmm. Cash has a cost. It's called inflation. So the time value of money would suggest that if you save, let's say you, the interest is 2%, inflation is 3 to 4%, every year you're actually losing around 1.91% of your cash value in your bank mm -hmm. account. In terms which, of the purchasing power of it. Which, let's, let's just put that into brass tax. If you made $100... Next yeah, year, you now have ninety-eight. You now have ninety-eight dollars and yeah, and the year before, year after. Now that's saving. Now investing comes on the other end. And let's say, for example, we look at the Eastern Caribbean Stock Exchange, mm -hmm. and you invest in Bank of Nevis, mm -hmm. or you invest in Saint Nevis National Bank. Now you ain't gonna grow your money, okay? The share price is not gonna move, so you're not gonna get any what we call capital gains, mm -hmm. which is your old price, your new price minus your old price. So usually. Um, when I teach investments and I tell my students, let's look at the Eastern Caribbean Stock Exchange, one of the comments is I always make is it doesn't move in terms of sheer price. No, it doesn't. Because they're income stocks. They're not growth stocks. They're income stocks. They're high dividend paying stocks. Mm -hmm. But you could still get a 6 to 7% a year. dividend a year. Mm -hmm. So if you take that $1,000 and you invest it in shares at National Bank, well, you're going to get 7%. Well, actually, you're going to pay commission on the 1000 God knows what the commission is. That's another conversation. <laughs> but you, you're going to get a 7% um, return. Let's assume the hundred is the, the $1,000 you invest is after commission. Yeah. So next year, you got a 1070 mm -hmm. Right? So then you take that. Now, the problem that we make, because I, I love to see this. Everybody go annual general meeting, mm -hmm. and they get, they get the fancy meal over the nice hotel. And what they do with the dividend check, they take it out and they spend it again. That's uh, not investing, right? Yeah. So you what you're the supposed purpose. to do is reinvest. reinvest the seventy dollars. So you buy new shares with that seventy. So next year you get a thousand seventy plus the seven percent, seven percent on top of that, and it, it keeps growing that way. That's mm -hmm. what we call compound interest. That mm -hmm. is, I like to call the seventh wonder of the world. It's sexy. <laughs> compound interest. <laughs> Compound interest is sexy as hell. It's you, sexy as you, hell when you're not paying it. You, exactly. It's, it's, no, that's the, that's the thing, though. 
see, now the reason why we need compound interest in our society is because that is how our debt is calculated. Mm-hmm. Our debt is calculated on a daily balance in most cases, or monthly at a minimum, and it's compounded, meaning it grows not linearly. Mm-hmm. You don't have add $100 to your interest a year. It actually is exponential, so it's going to start out low and just got a rapid increase in terms of the debt profile, in terms of the interest accumulation. Mm-hmm. Right? So, if we, if, we are, if, if we pay interest when it comes to debt, uh, with compound interest, we have to invest the same way. You can't save to counter the effects of debt. Because no. effectively, if we live for 85 years on average, Mm-hmm. 25 years of it, we overspend in, in what, what I like to call pre-production. You, you spend more than you make. Mm-hmm. That's from zero to 25. Yeah. You're a liability to your family. Mm-hmm. Your parents, you're not an asset to your parents. You're a liability unless your parents own a farm and they put you to work for free. Yeah. That's the only way you become an asset. Then we have retirement, which in sync, it's for government workers. And, and oppos- for government workers in opposition, it's 55. For government workers in power... It's a little bit older. At <laughs> <laughs> 10 years. Right. At so, 10 years. At 10 years. So you have about 30 to 20, 20 to 30 years in retirement. So mm. already right there, we have anywhere between 45 to 50 years of our lives where we're going to make less than we, we're going to spend less than we make. Mm-hmm. That gives us 30 years to counter the effect of deficit spending. Mm-hmm. And the only way you could counter the effect of deficit spending in that 30 years is through investing, is through wealth accumulation. And right now, what a lot of kitchens and divisions don't realize, they could invest in the United States. You could completely bypass the Eastern Caribbean Stock Exchange and invest in the U.S. And from investing in the U.S., you could hit Canada, Europe, Russia, Asia, South America, you can invest in all these other markets. Mm-hmm. But even if you look regionally, Jamaican Stock Exchange is the best in the world. Wow. has the highest performance in the world. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, the ECSE um, has some of the highest incomes in the world. You know, one of the things that I, I like about it, their income stocks. So the stock market, ECSE is great for old people. Mm. People, government workers, private citizens about to go to retirement, they should load up on stocks in the Eastern Caribbean Stock Exchange. You're not going to get share price, but you're going to get income. Imagine if you have, okay, imagine if you have, you're approaching retirement and you are making $3,000 a month. Mm -hmm. You're going on pension now, you're 55, Social Security not going to pay till 62, 67, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. So you have about a 12-year gap, right? 12-year gap. And let's say you've been able, you have about 200, 250,000 in the bank. Uh, let's say 300,000 for round numbers. Mm-hmm. You put, you invest at 300,000, let's assume commissions are zero. Mm-hmm. We know that's not true, that's but not I true. different banks charge different commissions. So may know what they charge, to mm-hmm. be honest. Even in this research for our book, I can't figure it out. <laughs> Um, so $300,000 invested. And let's assume you could get a, a 10% return, which mm-hmm. some of the stocks in the Eastern Caribbean Stock Exchange pay a 10% dividend, right? I think S, uh, S, uh, St. Lucia Electric um, has paid a very high dividend in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've maintained it more or less, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why is 10% of 300000 That's 30000 Divide by 12. Divide 30 by 12 uh, by? <laughs> Around 24 Right, around around twenty four thousand, twenty four hundred a month. You literally just 
got that's, a new yeah. line of income. It's twenty five hundred. Right, you got a new line of income. Yeah, that's twenty four twenty five hundred dollars a month. Okay, so then now let's calculate your total income. First, you're just making three thousand. You're saving in the bank, mm -hmm. right? Three thousand. Government, you, you quit government. You're now making fifteen hundred dollars a month. You took your life savings, you invested it, and you should have invested over the years. But let's say you didn't know. And then you come to Dr. Terrence Martin and he tells you, let's try to get you some extra income in retirement. You take your 300000 you invest in the Eastern Caribbean Stock Exchange in a, in a, in a stock a company paying around 10%. You now gain an extra $30,000 a year in revenue. There's no capital gains tax. <laughs> you don't pay tax on it. Mm -hmm. You pull this money out. You have a new line of income. Now your total income is now four thousand dollars a month, twenty-five plus fifteen mm. versus the three thousand before that you're making. The, the twenty-five hundred you don't pay social security on, you don't pay any levies on. That's, that's amazing. That's where we need to go. That's the type of advice we need in our society. And this but that's is a, and that's a sustainable. Do. You see, but that's a sustainable return. Of course. So of, of course it is because. Mm -hmm. These companies are not giving you volume in capital gains, mm -hmm. right? So you make money in investment two ways. Capital gains, which is share price accumulation or appreciation, mm -hmm. from $10 to 20 you sell, you make $10 in profit, right? Yeah. You don't see that. But over the last, 50, over the last 15 years, the Eastern Caribbean Stock Exchange, the, the core companies have gone up about 50% in value. That is complete crap. That's a crappy return. To be completely honest, we, we, uh, repeat last, that. Repeat that. Over, over the last fourteen to fifteen years, uh -huh. if you were to look at the the, the capital gains or uh, the share price movements of the ECSC, it's mm -hmm. been around fifty percent. Fifty percent. Yes. Which for some might say, well, I put in a thousand and I'll get five hundred. It's a lot. No. No. Remember, inflation. Not. Inflation. If you were to discount that money at a required rate of interest of 10% a year, that's actually nothing. You actually lost money over yeah. that time, right? Yeah, yeah you did. Um, the present value of that future cash flow is near zero. But, but, if you were investing and you reinvested the dividends, the div that's where you made money. Yeah. You bought more shares. Now, the problem, the problem becomes with, with, when you're trying to sell your shares is that it's not a liquid market because there's really not a lot of buyers out there. Mm -hmm. um, so, but, so if you're willing to take the risk of having these shares on hand for a while and living off of the income, then that's great. But then you look at it this way. That's 300000 technically asset to asset transfer from cash to investable asset. It still sits on the balance sheet the same way. Mm -hmm. But now you're making real income off of it. So Wow. But the thing is, I mean, so the, the whole draw of investing outside of this market, outside the ECSE, is that you get more capital gains because it's asset based. Yes. It's 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 returns based. So as yes. the shares accumulate value, you would have yes. bought in at ten, you sell at thirty, yes. you've made twenty dollars on each share. Like last year, last year Facebook tanked, right? That's when they had all the privacy concerns and all these things happening. Tech took a hit, right? So mm -hmm. the fanboys took a hit. Facebook, Apple, Netflix, etc. Mm -hmm. And they just they just plummeted like uh, we were in a recession when it comes to tech stocks, mm -hmm. right? There was a major market correction, over 20%. If you invested in them last year, in the summer, $1,000 at that bottom of that, that drop, you've made, your 20, you've made back literally almost 50% on average in one year in wow. terms of share price changes, right? In terms of share price changes. Um, now, 
companies like Apple don't really pay dividends. But then you start to wonder, well, what do I really care about? When you're young, you don't really care about income mm-hmm. because you're still working. Mm-hmm. When you're older, income becomes more important. Yeah. So the ECSC is attractive to older people. Mm-hmm. They need to change it. And that, that's only going to happen with change in management. But anyway, that's another conversation. Wow. But, Terrence um, is just firing bullets. <laughs> but I mean, it's just the truth. So that's only going to change. With, I mean, anyway. So <laughs> I have questions. Producing, I have a income. lot of questions. Because okay, it's a, go to, ahead. to change it, to change it would take, I mean, it got to be more than management. To change it would take what, a complete overhaul of the infrastructure that is in place for that specific. No, the infrastructure is there. The problem is demand. The supply is there. The regulatory agency already tells these companies you could issue X millions of shares. Mm-hmm. The supply is there. The demand isn't there. And demand isn't there is because the education and the market isn't there. Mm-hmm. You can't know how to meet the people in the public and explain the effectiveness of investing. In our society, we equate investing with insurance, and that's wrong. Think about British American clique, yeah. the mm-hmm. people that were investing in universal policies, these cash value policies, and these insurance agents that don't even understand what they're selling in many cases Mm. telling you that this is the best option for you it is not insurance is a risk is is a human capital hedge insurance is not for us insurance is not for the living insurance is for the dead so the notion that you could get money from the living not insurance is for the dead insurance is for the ears of the dead so the notion that oh if you invest in this policy when you when you're 65 you could pull out fifty thousand dollars one that fifty thousand dollars ain't even gonna buy you a, a, a proper uh, meal Mm-mm. in 40 years, much less uh, a proper vacation in 40 years, much less uh, build your house or anything. It's only attractive now. Value of money, right? It looks attractive in, in because no. it's today's dollars. Yeah. But you're not. But that's all you're gonna get in 50 years. If it was accumulating, that's different. Yeah. But it's not accumulating. You're gonna pull out 50,000 in 45 years at inflation. That's no money, right? Mm-hmm. So. It, it, it becomes like we've, we've equated investing with insurance, and, and that's not the right way. Because of those same, when I graduated in 03, this guy comes sell me a policy. He sell all my friends' policies. Mm-hmm. How much a month? Two, three hundred dollars a month. If you invested that two, three hundred dollars a month in the ECSC over that same time period, you'd have had shares, you'd be getting dividends straight, buying more shares, dividends, buying more shares, dividends, etc. Rinse and repeat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And no, you would have been further along. Policy, that, so what happened with British American? It just dropped. Even if it didn't drop, your cash, if you can't make... I, I, I did a presentation. I'll give an example. I did a presentation in Antigua last year. I, I do financial education workshops. And mm-hmm. I was in Antigua. And I call it financial adulting. And I met this young man. He was very happy that he had insurance for his four kids. And I asked him, what's the value of the policy? It was around $800,000, $200,000 each. That was his start process. Mm-hmm. I was telling him, okay, so how much is your monthly premium? He was like, you know, 800 bucks, 200000 something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, not about you know, right. He felt, really, he felt really good, Stephen, because he was providing you know, some sort of safety net for, for his them. family. Uh-huh. Right? But then all the, the kids were very young. All the kids were maybe sub 10 years old. So that two hundred thousand dollars, they want to go to college. They want to go to. It's not a lot of money. Let's be completely honest. Let's be honest, yeah. So this this was a cash value policy. So I said to him, "If you lose your job tomorrow, what's the first expense you could cut?" What do you think he said? <laughs> you could cut the insurance. 
Well, that's the one he would cut, right? Yes. So when you cut the insurance, what happened to the money you've put in over the It's year? gone. Because first, what are they going to do? The money you build up in cash value, you're going to start to pay for the policy premiums, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you when there's no money left to pay for the policy premiums, I'm to the policy. It's it's done. Oh, okay. All right. So the money that you put in is, is completely gone. It's, it's, it's just gone. So but these insurance agents sell it as if it's this holy grail. Why spend money on term insurance when you ain't getting nothing for it? Well, the reality is in most cases, you don't get nothing for cash value either. Mm. And again, it goes back to this notion. Insurance is not for the living. Insurance is for when we die. It's a hedge on human capital. Yeah, it's a hedge on human It's a hedge on future earnings. So the older and closer we get to retirement, the less insurance we actually need. Right? Unless you have a bequest motive, which I want to bequeath my grandkids a college education. Mm. I want to bequeath my primary school a new wing, something to that effect. And that's when you die, at least you're benefiting somebody in the Ex- Exactly, exactly. So but that's then, the only notion of insurance. I've always asked a question, it's just a couple of questions I've always asked about insurance, like, um, you know, like, term policies are come to term. Like, you literally, when you're 65, the, the policy is it's done. If you don't die between, between yeah. now and 65, you get nothing. I mean, yeah. the, the, the most that you get is you sleep at night and if you die, you feel like your family is going to be taken care of. But other than that peace of mind, you don't literally get anything unless you kick the bucket. But you get a, a peace of mind, right? So let's go back to <laughs> auto insurance. Uh-huh. Let's, let's go back to auto insurance. You don't get anything either until what happens. Until you get into an accident. And it's not your fault. And it's not your fault. <laughs> well, right? well, well, well... Uh, even if it's your fault, if you have comprehensive, because if you have liability, yeah. you're screwed, right? Okay. Of course. So of that's course. what insurance is for. And insurance, they hedge, they hedge the bets on that too. Like, I mean, they, how they do it is, is to make sure they maximize the amount of money. I almost feel like insurance, especially life insurance, they build it in such a way that you will never, you should never get any money from it. Like that's, that's the whole point. Actually, it, you shouldn't profit. You Not shouldn't profit. Money. Yeah, you, you shouldn't profit you except sh- life. Exactly. Life insurance is the only one that violates the principle of indemnification. And the reason why I say violates, and that's a strong word, is because you really don't know the value of an individual's life. Think mm-hmm. about Morgan Freeman that became a rich actor in his 50s. It's true. And yeah. think about the, 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 the man that invented KFC. Yeah. He was almost Colonel. ready to kill himself. Yep. And it's in his 60s mm-hmm. when he became wealthy. Yep. So that's, that's the notion, right? So you never really know what could happen. Like uh, uh, Denzel Douglas from a single family household went on to become prime minister, True. right? And you know, accumulate wealth in that way. Or Stuff Jimmy, like or Jimmy who did nothing with his life. Exactly. Uh, you, you know, you can't hedge it. So it's a hedge. It's, 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 it's a hedge. So, um, but even with auto insurance, yeah. even with auto insurance, it's, it's funny because I don't know how it works in the states, and it probably works a similar way. But you do you do realize that after a while, if your car is too old, if your car is ten years, usually it's ten years, oh, you yeah. can you can oh, no yeah. longer yeah. get yeah. it. You can't get comprehensive yeah. insurance if you get in an accident and it's your fault. Then it's you to fix your car yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, after a certain age, financially, it doesn't even make sense. You just invest the difference or save the difference towards a future purchase. Of a car, yeah. Um, that's, that's the thing, right? So you will transition from comprehensive to liability. That savings you should save in an account in order to 
put towards a future car. That's that's how we should do it. But that's not what people tend to do. We no. then say, oh, I could spend this money on something else now, right? So, But the whole notion of insurance goes back to what I said initially um, about the goal of a household to maintain marginal utility of consumption over their lifetime, where we have periods of low satisfaction from spending to high satisfaction from spending. When you get a low satisfaction from... So insurance is, is great, when the satisfaction from um, getting it, or the, the, the getting the proceeds of insurance, the, the payouts of insurance, is when you have a need, a financial need, right? Mm-hmm. It's there to, to, to minimize catastrophic loss, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So even though we think like, man, we don't really get anything out of it. If something happens, like when I, I used to live on the U.S.-Mexico border, and every time I cross into Mexico, and, you know, they would have gun violence on the border, but sometimes you just want a nice tequila shot and a margarita, so you take a risk, <laughs> right? So I would tell my, I would message my daughter's mom and say, hey, I'm going into Mexico just so you know my insurance is paid up, right? <laughs> because That makes sense. Listen, listen I didn't know what happened then. <laughs> you, you check me. I understand. Like, it I makes just, sense. I just came from a 14-hour flight. Uh, from China. Well, anything, it was me and God up there. Yes, of course. You understand what yeah, I'm no, saying? Okay, no. you, you put, you, even, even you go to a restaurant, you, put you don't life. know what these people doing with your food. You, you have got somebody idea. sick that just want to poison everybody. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's there in the event of, but it's it's a hedge. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a hedge and it's there to minimize catastrophic loss. So it's whether or not, it depends on how risky you are. If you're a risky person, you might not need insurance because for you, losing having that accident and being having to come out of pocket to pay that ain't doing you nothing and then having to rebuild and buy something new that ain't doing you nothing right so that's risky but somebody that's risk averse mm-hmm. which most of our population is risk averse mm-hmm. they need insurance because any sort of financial loss is going to hit them very hard yeah and you're going to feel really crappy when you have to replace and fix the damage item mm-hmm. or find money because of the loss of income from a death mm-hmm. uh, and then have to go and also find money to do something else. Like it, it's, it, it's, it really goes back to your risk tolerance. So insurance and your risk tolerance goes hand in hand. But the thing is, we, is, it, is it also exacerbated by the fact that we're living on such slim margins as well? What do you mean by slim margins? Meaning that, oh, okay. oh, yeah. oh, oh Meaning financially. That, yeah, financially, whatever you're bringing in, I mean, in a lot of cases, you're putting, you're, you're, you're basically sending that right back out. Well, I, I think we need an a, a, a increase in, in minimum wage in the island, to tell you the truth. In the federation, in the region, I think we need an increase in minimum wage. Um, and I think because the majority of our population works either for government or in uh, hotel industry, uh, the hospitality industry, they tend to get service charge, which makes it look like that we make more than minimum wage, but service charge is dependent on demand. And if you have like, a, you remember when they had 9-11, nobody come. When they had major hurricanes, nobody come. Mm-hmm. When they had the big storms, nobody come. Nobody okay. come, yeah. So then that affects service charge. Hotels lay off people. People lose income. People get desperate. Okay. Cool. Um, so the slim margins, we, we need uh, first a higher minimum wage. We need to invest in skills to transition from a hospitality-based industry, diversify our economy a little bit. You know how much welders they make? Welders? Welders they make like 80 to 100 US dollars an hour. Wow. Welders. Like, well, you could make money as a welder internationally. 
I had a client in the bottom of Texas. I used to travel the world doing welding. So, um, yeah, you can make a crap load of money. But then th- th- that's not a high-risk job? It, it depends on the job that you're doing. But at the end of the day, it's a skill set. And I think if you go back to the skills, if you look at the business owners in, in our society, a lot of it is skills-driven. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not from traditional four-year education. It's skills-driven. Yeah, a lot of is. the entrepreneurs that is. Yeah, um, and then and then we need emergency funds. You need to have at least three to six months of um, non-discretionary costs, meaning your fixed costs in your household, your rent, your utilities, etc., food. I was always ask uh, myself that question: like how, like p- people say that, you know, people say that you should have. You know this amount of 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 um you know this non discretionary you have this thing in your you know, bank account or whatever, um, but I I I mean from my experience I'm not sure I know more more a lot of people who do that. Yeah, a lot of people don't don't do it because we have. Let me tell you, eh, boss. When we leave Saint Kitts and Nevis, that's when you realize how lucky we had it, because at home whether we realize this or not, we have a safety net. Our community structure, even though it's not as it used to be when we were younger, mm-hmm. our community structure would not allow us to starve. Somebody in your community gonna know you need a plate of food and bring it. Somebody in your community gonna know you're struggling and help you. When you come to a place like the US where you ain't even know your neighbors, dog eat dog. You understand? That's so true. it might appear as if we have a false sense of security home. Because we have a safety net. A lot of us still live with our family members mm-hmm. as well. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying it creates a false sense of security. It does. Um, so that's and there, why there's mangoes growing on the trees. Too. You can't forget that. Oh, there you yeah, There's man, mangoes on the trees. Man, come on. If you're willing, if you're willing to go up Bearfords and Winford, Winfield. On the ground. There's food on the ground. There's food on the ground. Like, I remember going through, uh, I was in, I went to Jamaica on a conference and seeing all the breadfruit on the trees. You can't, I mean, you can't go hungry. You can, you it, no, nothing saying it. Unless you really right. want to. The thing is, it's funny because as you said, we got false sense of security. When I used to live with my parents, I remember um, when I bought my car, I just spent all my money. Just spent everything I had. Like every last cent went to my car. I ain't even joking. I paid for it cash. I just paid for it. And it's like, the, the, the sense of security I had is that for the next month and a half, you know, I can probably just go depend on, on my people and my girlfriend yeah. or whatever at the time. And it's just yeah. like, that's fine. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm still alive. I'm still yeah. 100%. I mean, I know, looking back now, I mean, hindsight is 120. I'm joking. Hindsight is 2020. And you see that that's probably that the smartest way to have done that. You should you should have you know kept some money in your hand and whatnot, and you know you take a loan, do whatever you gotta do, pay it over time. It's much easier. But like again, I just did it, and I'm I'm still alive. I'm pretty sure people do it all the time. Just spend all the money. We have, I mean, Fets are becoming a thing, and I I am proud of Fans. I'll say it openly. I'm proud of him and what he's doing. I think mm-hmm. he's he's um kind of put some structure and organization to fit it's great it's great to see where he started remember the red the stoplight party there stoplight that was a long yeah. that was a long time ago that was a long time ago. yeah that, but that's where he started that's where he started right so it's crazy to see where he is now it's amazing um yeah. but like again it's just you you have these parties and people are much more as you said people are, are more engaged in, in being happy than anything else it's beside everything else we're just trying to be happy and people go to these fets they, they support them um they have enough money to pay for them i'm guessing um 
<laughs> yeah, I laugh and I say it with a little bit of sarcasm, but I'm just saying they, they still support them. Yeah. So it means that the money has to be coming from somewhere, whether they took a loan, took a, a favor, took a, a something, or took a, a borrowed something. Or is there a favor? <laughs> took a favor, took a something. You know, it, <laughs> just whatever they had to do, they did it, and the money is, is circulating into that direction. Their, yeah, the feds yeah. are not empty. Um, which says to me that it's either A, we're, as a majority, we're making more money now and we have more, you know, we could indiscriminately spend more money now. Or uh, B, we just um, have a safety net somewhere. Most of us are just probably living together versus having, you know, living outside of the realm of that comfort zone. We live in communal houses, bigger communal houses. I mean, my question to you, and, and even moving past this, is, is about the minimum wage. Because, like... Again, doing a little bit of research on the internet, you know, the, the internet is a dangerous, wonderful place. If you raise the minimum wage, would that stifle um, the economy in terms of um, building new industry? Because one thing, one, thing a lo in, one thing a low minimum wage has is that it's affordable for smaller businesses to afford to pay somebody a smaller wage, especially to get started. And then, you know, they move on and they build on top of that and they could create a well, new industry out of smaller well, investment. Yeah, that, that's a good question. And it, it's, it's one, depending on your view of economics, either demand side or supply side. Okay, it, it goes back to understanding GDP, right? That's what the government always talk about. GDP, who had the highest GDP? Okay, so what makes up GDP? Consumption, capital investments, government difference between tax revenue and government spending and net exports, right? Mm -hmm. Exports minus imports, or imports minus exports. Mm -hmm. um, in the U.S., 70% of the U.S. GDP is consumption. That's not the case in St. Kitts. In fact, I think, I don't really know the numbers, but I would dare say our GDP is fueled a lot by investments. Now, it's passports. Mm -hmm. then, then it used to be tourism and construction. Um, so if we look within our society, who is really going to pay the higher cost of minimum wage? It's it's really the developers, if mm. we're to be honest, because the majority, where's the majority of population implied? Um, in right? tourism. Okay. tourism. And they are already are above, in many cases, the, the minimum wage per se, mm -hmm. right? So it really doesn't affect. No, your example was the small man want to hire somebody. Well, we just have to be creative with how we, if you want to get around it, you could do contract work, something mm -hmm. like that. Or you could literally pay and then realize that by paying a higher minimum wage, you're going to then get what? That, that employee now has more money. What's the employer going to do with the money? They're going to spend more with somebody else. And then that person going to turn around and come to your business and spend more. Mm -hmm. It's a multiplier effect. Right, a change in minimum wage lead to a multiplier effect. One dollar goes far. Mm -hmm. It's not just a dollar. That dollar creates another ten dollars. Right. So if we view it like that, then we will see that the economy on a whole is gonna get bigger and better overall. I have a, no. Will, will, uh, your will your profitability be as high in the short term? No. But in the long term, yes. Are you running your business to shut down next year? No. So if that's if the answer is no, then you should focus on the long term effect. And your policies and decisions should be for you to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. You think when you look at Rams and Hasfords and TDC, you think this opened with a short-term vision? Mm -mm. No, right? These are the bigger companies. Delhi Walwin. Let's throw them in the mix. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And look where they are now. These companies like Delhi Wow in there for over 100 years. Wow. You understand me? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't have a short-term vision. And that's the problem with a lot of our small businesses. Mm-hmm. We have a short-term vision. And and I don't blame them because the government got short-term vision. But anyway, yep. um, you, you, <laughs> you, you have... You, you, we have to create a society and framework now where we have a long-term view of what we're trying to accomplish. I remember now, this guy used to do cheesecakes. This Rasta guy. Amazing cheesecake. So, mm-hmm. one day the store shut down. Yes, yes, I then, remember him, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then the Chinese store next to it still open. Yep. Even to this day, the Chinese store is still open. So, how is it a Chinese man have a longer vision than a local? Well. In our own society. Well, Terence. If I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to also say that <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to Chinese, um, I'm not so sure if if looking at it like that is the most realistic way to look at it. Are you talking about the low interest loans that they could get? The low the interest loans the, so and then, backing. So then, so then why our government don't create the same environment? We need economic... You see, all that, all that passport... I don't think we understand how much money we make from these passports now. And I'm trying to see... I have no idea went. how much. I'm I, I trying to see where the money went because if you listen to the current government, they say roads were developed for 20 years. So that road project is after 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then we have housing, but then they have a housing levy. So how you could say the passport money went to housing and you have a housing levy that should go to housing. I don't understand. But um, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, it's a situation where we need to figure out what is best for our people. That's the thing. It's, it's like, but, but it, does answer, it does answer the question though, like, we don't have a good, we don't have good infrastructure for dealing with, not that good infrastructure, but we don't have that, um, that drive to help in that way. Like our see, loans, our loans are not like competitive, well, uh, are inspiring. It's and it's very that's selective. Where, that's where CSME should have come in. We should have had the free movement of finance so you could go Antigua and get a loan, or go St. Lucia and get a loan. But again, we haven't done what we said we were going to do uh, with these whole integrations and regional integrations. But, but even, anyway. Even with that, even with we, that. We, we, even with that, it's difficult to it's even difficult to amass because I don't know how is it that like a little bit of water between some islands just creates so much complications. Like well, there's it, it there's goes a back to leadership. Exactly, there's a, there's a level of of autonomy, and and pe- I don't yeah. know. We, yeah. we, there's a level of autonomy that exists, and we're not looking at hey, look as a as a construct together, like we are we are more of a force. Everybody will benefit. Uh, everybody yes, could benefit, yeah. but it's a kind of big island sort of small island versus small oh, island yeah. mentality. It's always been that way. It's I always mean, been that way. Take, if you take Jamaica, Barbados, that out of it, the OECS has done a pretty good job, but I don't think they've done a good enough job when it comes to the finance and economic piece of it. Mm. Uh, the free movement of capital is what I think. Uh, inter inter country commerce, I think, is what has struggled, and like our indigenous banks should be expanding without within the region. Um, you know, this, what's wrong with the Bank of Nevis in Dominica? It's true, yeah. Well, it's, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Royal Bank, Royal Bank of who? Canada. Canada. They yeah. come from all the way. Can't, you mean to them we can't open a bank in Antigua? We can't open a bank we in Antigua. We can't open a bank in Dominica. So you, you, it, it, these type of fundamental systematic changes would be needed. But anyway, listen, we do have zero interest loans. Yeah, mm. We do have it. They're there. 
like this new grad program, that's a zero interest loan technically mm-hmm. for the first $400,000. Uh, and there have been other examples over the years, like SIDF money has funded a lot of businesses. I don't want to make it seem like it, it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whether some of those businesses are still open, that's another question. But the point is the money did go in some cases to it. But it's not on the magnitude that I think it should have been done. You see more selective, seem more small. Mm-hmm. Be, when you think about the type of money we've raised, um, because that you know, let's be honest, that's the has propped up our economy for years. Yeah, it has. If you if you take that out of it, uh, then we have to wonder where we would truly be. Be strong. So, so, so if we wasn't selling passports, then what what would we be? Selling? Because foreign direct investment has gone. What what is it? You know, my thesis for my masters was on tourism. Mm. It was like what impacts tourism receipts and revenue. And honestly, how are we different from Cancun, Mexico? Mm. How I mean, we have sun, sea, and sand, right? Yes, that's exactly. what we advertise. That's what that's we what promote. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what we promote. So every island. Hello. Sorry about that. I got a call. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. But every island in the region saying the exact same thing, you know, and that creates uh, a problem when it comes to the demand marketing and stuff like that. So uh, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. It's actually incredibly interesting because like to me, I, I don't know, like where would we be without passports? Like we, mm-hmm. we, we sell passports. I mean, again, once I always say, once you put government, once you put government in any financial, anything, it's always going to turn out to be some kind of turmoil because it's like the accountability of it it's it's the, the government yeah. is not accountable and they're not yeah. good business people there's no, they, too much they shouldn't be they shouldn't be they shouldn't, there's too much and be. and i always i always i always think that the private sector is really who's supposed to be running some of these financial endeavors because if 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 i am running any business like my primary focus is to try to to make money like that's mm. what I'm trying to do. The government, that's not that's not what the government's aim yeah. is. The government aim yeah. is is, yeah. is political. It's it's about appeasing people. It's about um m- maintaining a certain level of um of, of favoritism. All right, so that I, they could I, be reelected. Yeah. A, a government is only well, a, a party yeah. is only there to be. Re- that's that's their goal. Their goal is to stay in, in power. Yeah. Because yeah. it's only in power do they function at their highest, their highest um, effectiveness. Like if they're not in power, they're not doing anything. I, I can behave myself and ignore every <laughs> that, that whole line of thought. But, um, <laughs> I know you have a lot to say. That's a, that's probably another conversation. Yeah. That that is but, in and of itself. But but I agree with you. Government should be um, providing public goods such mm. as defense. Um, Health, national security, social uh, services, yeah. social service, yeah, so, social services, roads, education, and stuff like that. That's my truly belief. Mm. I, in fact, the go- in fact, I believe that Saint Kitts Love had a better return on passport money had they invested in the human capital of the individuals mm. of the population rather than I don't know what they do with the money. So yeah, um, <laughs> and let me tell you, let me let me tell you why I said this. So I was just in Singapore. And um, Singapore is the size of St. Lucia, 289 square miles. Mm-hmm. And Singapore's economy is 380 billion US dollars. Oh. Well, the, I think St. Lucia is maybe somewhere, maybe under 10 billion US yeah. dollars. Yeah, more like. Why? Why? What's the difference? 
What's the difference? Because the Singapore is in the last fifty years, Singapore invested in their people. Yeah. And they open up the floodgates for businesses as well. Exactly. Very well, our, liberal. Our floodgates are, all floodgates are open. We just make everything difficult. Yeah. We just have a lot of red tape, right? And they have red tape there, I'm sure. There's a lot of bureaucracy wherever you go. Mm-hmm. But there's a fundamental difference in investing in human capital regionally. Now, in Antigua, I would say this. I, I've had the opportunity to go to Antigua quite a bit over the last couple of years. I've had the opportunity to sit with the prime minister there and other ministers of government and, and leaders in government and, and so on. Mm. And there is a sense, there's an economic empowerment that's happening in Antigua. And let me say, I don't really favor labor in mm. any capacity, but in Antigua, there's no other choice, to be completely honest. And the reality is you have a, a, a prime minister that encourages and invests in young people. And that's going to pay dividends in the future. future yeah. Investing in the human capital. And I don't agree with everything that he does. I think some of his policies are not necessarily appropriate. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to his investment in young people, tax breaks and... And, and customs breaks and all those things that we would offer to big foreign investors mm-hmm. and they offer it in the locals to young people, entrepreneurs, encourage entrepreneurship. I applaud that every day. And that's what we need to see in St. Kitts. Mm-hmm. The same thing you could give to those people out on Port Zante and those hoteliers is the same thing you have to be able to offer your people. Yeah. That's the only way you can empower people. You can't tell me that, you know, like, I look at the crime situation. Do you know why, let me ask you a question. Do you know why we had all those basketball courts built around the country? You know, when you go, every village has a basketball Yeah, every village, why? You, you, you know why that was? Why? To that encourage. was to discourage crime. That was to encourage grown men to take out their frustration in a, in, in, on the and, basketball and boys on a, in a basketball court, in a play field, in a recreational way. Right? Wow, I didn't know. No, we've moved, we've moved past this. Yeah, that's something Pam do that they would never get credit for because you know Labour said Pam ain't do nothing for fifteen years. But anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. um, but we, but no, what we we've moved into a more creative space. Look at all them guys that singing. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why is it they're not getting tax breaks to bring in equipment to set up a studio? Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it they're not get you guys not getting tax breaks like you? You have a production company, dude. Like. You should have a show on Ziz. Why is Ziz not paying you $200,000 a year to run your show on their network? Ziz, Ziz doesn't even have $200,000 to pay themselves. But you understand what I'm saying, right? I, I do in, understand. It's where we invest in. In St. Lucia, people shop shows to the local media. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you, why is it like, when I look at crime, and I look, people got something to say. So there's a financial element, there's also a social element, mm-hmm. and there's a creative element, there's a cultural element. And I see these guys in Kayan, talented, and they, they drop a little video with their phone and they put it up on YouTube. And they sense a giant pride that they have. Imagine of course, of if course. somebody tapped them and believed. Imagine if we put a studio in every community center. Imagine if we put a computer lab in every community center. But the Imagine thing is... If, if, the thing is, Terrence, even, did, even though they haven't done that, even though they haven't done that, look at the, the artists that are coming out of St. Kitts. It, exactly. I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've heard any music lately. We've had to work with um, some, um, some local uh, music lately for a project that we were doing for, I think it's a Bayesian or Canadian company. I think the function out of Barbados. But we're doing something for music festivals. So we had to use some music from St. Kitts. Of course, we got 
permission and all of that. But I was blown away. Yeah. I was absolutely blown. Rukas, I'm going to call some names. Rukas Aichi. Yo, um, he, he is talented. My God. My he God. Is- Lucas H. Joke, and, and I hope if he's hearing this, I hope he doesn't take offense, right? But when I heard this song, I, I didn't do the, pre, the preliminary edit. When when um, my business partner had passed the preliminary edit to me, I, I heard this song come up and I was like, um, no, we can't use Marshall Mantano's music in what? this in this product. Like, we can't use it. We can't use it. It was That's a song. A it was a song called Good Vibes Alone. I'll be honest. It's straight up. It was a song called Good Vibes Alone. I said, we, we, can't use, we can't use Marshall Mantana's music because we don't have any rights to use his music in this production. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, this is not Marshall Mantana. This is Lucas H.E. And I still listen to this song. I said, you got to be kidding. This is the level that we at? This jour, um, mm-hmm. Infamous has been doing it for a while. And I honestly believe that he was the catalyst to start a lot of this, like, to actually step up the level. Because before, yeah. before him, I think we had artists and they, they laid a lot of groundwork. I'm not saying they were very important in laying groundwork. I mean, Masoud Siddiqui, God rest his soul. And all oh, of I, I love Masoud. Yeah, love him. Love right? Yeah. But these guys laid the framework for some of the favorite, like this is the first time, and Azim was on the show recently and he said it and it's true. This is the first time in history that I have spoken to young people under the age of 16, under the age of 19, and their favorite artists are lo- some of their favorite artists are local artists. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That is a humongous deal. But as you said, and to, to piggyback on what you said, because you're right, back in the day, if, if basketball course was the way for people to express the frustration and to, to kind of just have a, a, a ease from everyday, everyday drudgery, why well, isn't it that music? Why well, isn't it that we don't have any studios? We are the studios. Exactly. We have like my one of my friends, his name is Shabo. Um Chavez Hazel. He runs a studio. He has a studio in his house. He built up a, a part on his house and he has like he has his own studio. And he does a lot of work for these local artists. I think I'm, I'm not so sure if Rukas is one of them. But he does a lot of work with local artists. Where's his grant, man? Where's his where's where's yeah. the government? Where are you? Like where are you? Are you giving him any any sort of support? Are you saying, Hey, look, we realize that you're producing music every year for carnival? We need you to mm-hmm. have a, the, the best stuff. We need to give you that, that kind of window so you could make the best stuff and you could represent St. Kitts. The music industry is a big industry. We could tap into it. We ain't got to go further than Barbados. Just take one of us to make it. Just one. Just one. Just one. You, you, know, you know that was the inspiration behind Music Festival as well, to give our local artists a catalyst to get signed by big labels. Yeah, I, I send you back way back to like Jermal Huggins. Remember mm. Jermal back in the day? Mm. I think she had went on to Canada. I think she had signed with somebody. I'm not sure what happened there. Mm. But you're right, you know. Let's, let, so like Ruckus, let me tell you. Let me Because I think Mention was always better than Marshall. Let me say that again. Yeah. Mention is better than Marshall as an artist. And I, I, and I said this because when Marshall first started to sing, way back when he was with YB Traffic Band or whatever in mm-hmm. him, um, and he used to come sing kids and Mention there too, Mentioned by far the original sugar oh new oh original new vibe mm. Marshall could not light a candle to mention the difference is marketing the difference is PR the difference is money yeah. right Terence Dr Terence Martin Jr. I want to say thank you so much man thank you so much I thank you hundred percent for being on this show I feel like of course thank I you feel, for having me I feel like we really only scratched the surface of 
Oh yes. Man, even if we have we really? I don't feel like we I don't even I don't even think we completed a topic specifically. No. (laughs) No. I think we only so much to talk about. It's like this this conversation was like a teaser for five hundred other conversations. Yeah, Dude, yeah, that you know yeah. what that means. I definitely got to get you back in the show. So when you finish with your world tour, you come back from Mars. <laughs> which <laughs> if Venus. if you go to Mars, you have to go to Venus. Remember, we live in the Me Too movement. It's all about equality. That, that, that is true. Yeah, so we, if, have to, if, we, have, we have to go to Venus. Yeah. So if you spend if you spend a month in Mars, you got to spend at least a month and a half in Venus to make up for all the last time that the women had. <laughs> a month true. and a half. You got to yeah. do it. But man, thank you so much, man. I, I think honestly, this is gonna be one of the long, longer episodes. Yeah. But um, but for that, I guess we have to wrap the the, the, the thing up. But I want to ask you just one more thing. Um, if you have three pieces of advice that you could give about like being financially prudent, um, three quick things. Like, what would the three things be? Uh, invest. Don't save. Mm-hmm. Uh, use debt strategically to make more money. So they're basically investing in yourself. And don't oversave. There's something called oversaving. You want to be able to enjoy your money and have some sort of fun and satisfaction before you're either dead or too old to appreciate it. 100%. 100%. All right, guys. Um, Terrence, I also want you to drop because you, 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 do, you do talks, you do everything. And you also, um, in the first part of the show, you also said that you do free financial advice for certain people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so if you want to drop the links, like how do, we, how do we get in contact with you? You know, on, on Facebook, I think it's at TK Martin Jr. On Instagram, it's Dr. TK Martin Jr. D-E-R, D-R, sorry, T-K-M-A-R-T-I-N-J-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I spelled that right. Um, yes. So, yeah, you know, you could find me. I mean, if, if you don't know me specifically, somebody know me. I'm mm-hmm. a friend of a friend. So a friend of a friend. You just ask the right person and they could always put you in contact with me. I'm happy to help anybody from St. Kitts Nevis, anybody from the region. If they just want to if they just want a quick consult, um, just want a different perspective. I'm happy, free of charge. Um, and then we just go from there. Indeed. Appreciate it, man. I really appreciate it. All right. So, guys, you've been listening to Objectively Incorrect. My name is Stephen Smith. And as usual, guys, peace, no gang signs. <laughs>